Sing Second Sports, our weekly podcast about Naval Academy sports. Thank you for joining us this week. As always, I'm joined by Ward Carroll, class of 82, and a fantastic golfer. Chris Cervello, our uh, Nigel, our producer in the truck, running the board, doing old man radio, and uh, very happy to be joined again by our special guest, Bill Wagner, sports reporter from the Capital Gazette. Gentlemen, how are we this week? How was your week, and how is COVID treating you and your families? Well, John, and you should uh, introduce yourself as renowned former public affairs officer for the Naval Academy, John Schofield, Commander John Schofield at his highest rank. <laughs> yeah, my my father thanks you. I, I think he's the only one who cares about that uh, very decorated history. That's That commander is <laughs> a high rank. You were in charge of things and stuff. That's uh, I pretended to be. I pretended. Yeah. So No, I'm doing good. Um the Sink Second sports team was on the links today, courtesy of Governor Hogan, uh, sort of reducing the restrictions on golf. Uh, so we played Blue Mash up in Montgomery County, and we had a blast. It was a brisk day, to put it mildly. So we were dealing with uh, 20 knot winds, and uh, all in all, it was just fun to get out there and actually play tee to green. Uh, first time I've done that since the last time the Naval Academy had had the full course open, which is months ago. So it was great to be out there with you guys. Yeah, we're certainly returning to normal. And, and as we're recording this podcast, we're Governor Hogan lifting the stay-at-home order uh, for the state of Maryland. So it, it certainly looks like things are returning to normal. But if you watch any real newscast, uh, certainly we have a long way ahead. And, and that was made very evident this past week. In case you haven't heard previous pods, we've discussed it a little bit, but because of COVID, the uh, the regular uh, commissioning ceremony, which is always the Friday before Memorial Day weekend, was canceled, and they started with very miniature uh, commissioning ceremonies, I believe about 200 at a time, socially distanced apart, and the photos have been really good showing those, um, those ceremonies in Tecumseh Court, uh, which yeah, it really just does not happen. The graduation is always in Navy Marine Corps Stadium. So I was moved, uh, uh, Bill. There was, you know, I was an avid reader of the uh, of the Capital Gazette. There was a great photo um, of a uh, of a football helmet on a chair uh, there in the uh, in Tecumseh Court, and it was kind of left uh, for as, as a remembrance of David Forney. Uh, I was. I was very moved by that, and I was wondering how uh, how you looked at that photo. I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I first learned of it on uh, Tuesday night when the first images came out from the Naval Academy of the ceremony. Obviously, no, the public was not allowed to attend, no parents, no media. So the only the people in attendance were Naval Academy officials and the 200 midshipmen that were uh, sworn in at the, during that particular ceremony on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, the image was powerful, a very poignant image. The first thing I did was send a text message to Rick Forney, David's father, who I've known a long time. Rick Forney, born and raised in Annapolis, went to Annapolis High School, was a great baseball pitcher, wound up playing about 10 years in the Baltimore Orioles. 
minor league system. I wrote a lot of articles about Rick Forney during his pro baseball career, and we reconnected when I realized it was his son that was going to play football for the Naval Academy. And I've gone through this horrible experience of David tragically dying with the family and with Rick, and it's just been gut-wrenching. But I wanted him to know what a great tribute they gave to his son. He knew he was unaware. Uh, the family did not even know they were doing these ceremonies, swearing-in ceremonies at the academy. So I sent him the photo. I, I downloaded a copy of the photo and sent it to him, and he sent it to his wife. And they were very, very, very touched. It meant a lot to them that David was remembered in this way. And so I wrote a story about how this came about. I, I re- talked to your replacement, Commander Alana Garris, and it kind of grew organically. The uh, senior class president, uh, Mike Smith, wanted to mention David in his comments, and they always say, uh, I guess you would know better than I, but apparently a, a, a part of the ceremony is that we remember all those we've lost. And at that time, he thought it was important to mention David And since he was going to be mentioning David in his comments, they thought they should do something. And that's when they came up with the idea of putting the helmet on the chair. And I I just think it was brilliant. Yeah, it's um, well, you you mentioned the public affairs office. So a lot of traditional things are going by the wayside. Um, I can tell you that my former office there, we would work for months to put together the graduation program which was really more for the parents than it was for anyone else. I, I cannot name a single graduate who ever really read or cared about the, uh, the graduation program that we'd work for hours and hours on, but we would dedicate a page to uh, the members of that class who had passed away before uh, they reached the, uh, uh, their commissioning date. So obviously there are a lot of traditional things that are going by the wayside. And I know that all of us are very moved by uh, the ability to just do something on the fly and and remember someone who was um, incredibly special, uh, not just to his football teammates, but to the Naval Academy itself. So um, having that image uh, certainly a lot better than having a uh, graduation program, in, in my humble opinion. So I thought I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I, I agree, John. And I'm sure we'll hear from Evan Wick, uh, who we'll be talking to on this episode. Uh, about how he felt having participated in the first uh, of the five commissioning ceremonies. I saw the video that the soup put out a few weeks ago with the dot where they build it as you're going to finish where you started, which is T court. And I think that's a, that's a good hook. Um, You know, we know in the history of the Academy graduation has taken many forms, certainly since I was there and before me, as you already said, John, the commissioning week sort of starts with Herndon on Monday, and then you have all of the you know parades and ring dance and Blue Angels t- two days that week, and then finally it it culminates in Navy Marine Corps Stadium with you throwing your hat in the air. And if you believe that's sort of the the, the status quo and, and the gold standard, then you would be disappointed. But I think that they'll come to find that. Um, this is a very special, poignant event. Wags, as you said, it's uh, not open to media or the public. I will also say, as a guy who works on the yard at the Naval Institute, it's not open to faculty or staff either. I mean, they are super strict about who's allowed to attend. So yes, officials, uh, you know, 
half a dozen folks who who uh, administer the oath and and so forth. But this is very much a private um, uh, event, and these five ceremonies will be private events. And I think when they when it hits them that they're now commissioned officers and their Naval Academy life is behind them, I think they're going to realize this was special. And kudos to the soup and the don for uh, you know taking a strain and figuring this out because there was a period I will tell you from talking to the OPSO on a regular basis since we started doing social di- distancing. Um, it wasn't a done deal what form commissioning would take. Um, and so I think they've done a great kick save, let's say, and, and made it into something that the uh, the grads and the new naval officers will appreciate uh, in perpetuity. So uh, good. And and as you guys said, the uh, remembrance of David Forney in the wake of a, 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 you know, one of the seasons for the ages in terms of football in the wake of losing him, when was that, Wags? February, I think, right, when, when uh, that happened. So I, I remember running into Coach at the uh, Brigade Sports Complex on, I want to say it was a Saturday, working out. And I passed my condolences, and you know, because it's such a family within, um, you know, the, the, on the field of play. And uh, we're all part of that in, in a variety of ways, covering it, being an extension of the referee corps or whatever. Um, I just had to give him a hug, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, it, he, he was wearing the sorrow, um, of having lost a a signature player like David. Um, that's great insight about his dad, Wags. I did not know that. Um, and it really does make the loss that more poignant and, uh, painful for us, but, uh, good on whoever came up with that idea. Uh, and I think, as you said, John, you see that image, uh, I tweeted it yesterday. It's just really um, it brings tears to your eyes. It's just a, that's a great tribute. Yeah. And, and I echo that, that, you know, the Naval Academy definitely pivoted and adjusted very, very well to give these graduating firsties, uh, something meaningful for commissioning amidst this pandemic, amidst this mess. And, and we'll ask Evan about it. Um, I'm, I'm sure Ensign Wick, uh, as he gets TDY'd here after graduation of the Naval Academy, will be involved with uh, Plebe Summer. You know, I don't think that we're done uh, with uh, events that are going to be possibly changed, uh, traditional events. Uh, well, to that point, John, to that point, yeah. just because we've talked in passing about what are the impacts going to be for fall season. I think on the first episode we were talking about, um, you know, coaches in Hawaii, Chet is here saying all is well, and, and we're going to do Ireland for the opening uh, football game. And so somewhere between those two opinions lives the truth. It's noteworthy that the California college system is shut down for the fall. They've made the call already that all public schools, all public universities in California are going to do distance learning for the fall semester. So what are the resonant effects on USC football, UCLA football, Cal, you know? Um, so that can be sort of an analog for how we in time have to approach this, this, the thing you just posited. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if any organization can adapt and overcome, um, uh, with an event like I Day, uh, the Naval Academy will. Um, you know that there's just no other 
no other option. And, and they made it work um, with this commissioning ceremony. And again, I think we all take our hats off to the Naval Academy for creating special ceremonies for people. And I know that I day, uh, whether it's with parents or without parents, whether it's with social distancing, whether it's adjusted or delayed, uh, I know that it'll be, it'll be made right. It'll be professional and it'll be done. Um, you know, the way that the Naval Academy does everything with a spirit of excellence. So, um, yeah, well, it, I, I appreciate the perspectives. Uh, that wraps up episode number one. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk to uh, Naval Academy senior, actually newly minted Ensign Evan Wick about his experience on the basketball team for his four years at the Naval Academy and what he's looking forward to as a future Naval flight officer. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod. And welcome back to Sing Second Sports. We are uh, very honored to have with us newly minted Ensign Evan Wick uh, from Amarillo, Texas. Evan um, was the lone senior, the lone firsty on this year's basketball team. Uh, Evan, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? We're doing great. Great. Um, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll kick it right to Bill Wagner for, uh, for the first question. Well, guys, I'll start off by saying Evan was one of my favorite guys to cover. I mean, a uh, four-year player, pretty much, a contributor from his plebe year on. And uh, a lot of people don't know that Evan dealt with some severe back issues and other nagging ailments. Evan played through a lot of pain, and it speaks volumes for the type of guy he was. I really enjoyed our sit-down when I wrote your senior profile, Evan. Um let me just first ask you, you know, look back upon the four years of Navy basketball. Um, Coach Tuchelis has been working hard to try to build this program up, make it more of a contender in the Patriot League. During your time, did you see progress and do you see Navy men's basketball moving forward? There's definitely been some improvement. Um, you know, we've had some ups and downs as, as goes with basketball. Um, but, you know, our three core values – Rebounding, taking care of the ball, and defense, you know, those are uh, Coach DeJellis' uh, mottos. And so ever since uh, we started that, you know, we've been improving, uh, having a core value of the players. Uh, but I really like this last group of, uh, of, uh, of, of core players that we have on this last team that we had this past season. Um, out of all the players we've had, um, I'd say we have the most talent and most potential uh, with this core values. I know we didn't go as far as we wanted to this year, um, but I know Cam Davis uh, – and all the seniors in the Laird twins will uh, carry it on for us. But definitely going to see uh, some big things coming from this team in the next year or two. Well, in the last game, or maybe the last week, if you will, what did you tell as a departing senior, the lone senior, the captain, what did you tell these younger guys about what needs to happen for Navy basketball to continue to move forward and achieve the goals that everybody wants? Patriot League championship, NCAA tournament appearance, Everybody wants to get back to that. It happened once before at Navy. It can happen again. What was your parting message, Evan? The main thing is uh, buying into each other. Um, so my first uh, three years, mainly my junior year, we had some chemistry issues. Um, but last year, I would say uh, the chemistry on the team was never better uh, in any team that I've ever been on. So 
uh, once we do that and we enjoy uh, seeing each other and everything, because, you know, it's a long season. So uh, sticking together through the, the hard times and the low times, uh, you know, it's just going to uh, help them grow as a team. And so I know this past year uh, we didn't get to where we were go- wanted to go, but uh, this team has definitely learned from that and grown forward. So definitely just to uh, invest in each other is my, was my main thing to say to them. Evan, you are in a unique situation. You're talking to us after graduating uh, from the Naval Academy. Obviously, the graduation was supposed to be, uh, as it is always, on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. And then because of COVID, um, obviously had to get moved up. Um, What can you tell us about the ceremony itself? What was it like? Did it seem kind of surreal? Um, you know, obviously it's a lot different than the traditional commissioning ceremony that you see with the blue angels flying over. So how did the whole event go for you and, and how have you spent your first days as an ensign? Um, definitely unexpected, uh, obviously, but I just want to start off by saying there was five different groups. Um, so I was in the first group of wave to go. So first day we did all our move out and admin got our diplomas and everything. But the second day, the ceremony, um, it was, it was a lot better than I thought I was going to be. Uh, I thought they did a good job of keeping us all separate um, and everything. But it was actually like a pretty cool ceremony because hardly anybody, any class can say they graduated in Tecumseh Court. And so, you know, there's just positives and negatives to everything, you know. It would have been great to have a graduation week. Um, but I thought they did a good job with the ceremony. And I, I, I felt like, uh, I mean, it was a little weird, but leaving that place and seeing everybody that I could see that I haven't seen in two months or whatever uh, was just great to see. So definitely a little bit surreal, but... Yeah, leaving that place, I, I have no no doubts, and I'm I'm glad that they had it. And you service selected uh, aviation, I, I believe you're right. uh, you're slated to be an NFO, and you go down to Pensacola on the 31st of July. What do you right. what do you know of how your time will be between now and the 31st of July? Typically, mm-hmm. you know your your ensigns would get TDY'd or stashed uh, anywhere along the yard, but obviously COVID has made a lot of that difference. So what what do you know about your immediate future? So as of right now, the word is I'll be TADing with the PE department. So I'll be the, the basketball TD, uh, uh, helping the plebes come in the basketball plebes and running that and also the pep sessions for plebe summer. Um, but the word on the street right now is that we're going to have to come in two weeks early of our basket leave and just uh, quarantine for two weeks, uh, before I day. So we can help out with that. Um, so I'll be TADing for probably three or four weeks doing that. It's going to be, we're not for sure yet on the word, but definitely have that quarantine with the plebes. I think they may, may have to do that too. Um, but yeah, just going to be the basketball TAD and helping those guys come in and, uh, get their minds right for everything, because it's definitely going to be an experience that no one has gone through. So it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for me. Is I day still on schedule that they're going to bring the plebes right. in as normal? Yeah. So I was talking to captain Turner, uh, two days ago. And he said that it's still on for right now. I day the 25th of June. Um, but he, he wasn't for sure, uh, if they were going to move it back or, uh, change it in any way. So as of right now, the word is, uh, it's going to stay on the same day. It's heartening to hear your attitude about this form of graduation. Um, and I've been looking through some Naval Academy history books lately and, uh, coming across pictures that in the history from 1845 till now, Graduation has taken many forms. Um, in fact, I have this cool, I just tweeted um, this picture yesterday of Teddy Roosevelt, President Theodore Roosevelt, handing right. out diplomas to the class of 1902 in front of the gazebo that's right there by Herndon. Um, I don't think Herndon was there at the time, but uh, 
uh, and they've had it in, at Thompson Field. That when I was a mid, there was this thing called Thompson Field before we, you, we built Lejeune Hall. And that was originally the football stadium before they built Navy Marine okay. Corps, um, which was the house that Staubach built. Um, and uh, so they had the graduation on Thompson Field. They have had the graduation in Dahlgren Hall. So I think you're, you're right, and that's a great attitude to say that um, you enjoyed a special ceremony. Um, and I know it's a bummer, no Blue Angels and so forth and so on. And I'm sure your parents aren't digging the fact they weren't there. Um, but uh, but I, I love your attitude. So enough of my soapbox, teary-eyed graduate to New Henson. Um, you were lucky, obviously, to get the season in. Um, so as you now are an, an ensign and you're thinking back, you've had some time to, to con, con, consider your life as a mid. Um, where did your basketball persona fit against your entire midshipman experience? What do you what do you think of, and what do you think you will take from that uh, as you now become a a leader of sailors? Right. So uh, my whole motto was, you know, don't have any regrets. You know, take out every opportunity that you can. Uh, and my opportunity was basketball when it comes to leadership and that kind of stuff. So uh, my whole time at the academy, there's never been a sole senior less than four uh, seniors at a time. And so being a sole, uh, I looked at it like before the season, being the sole senior on the team, you know, that's an opportunity that not many people get to have. Um, and so, I mean, I learned how to delegate and everything with uh, some juniors and stuff because, you know, it's hard to do it yourself. Uh, but definitely a lot of leadership experiences this past season, uh, knowing how to handle 22 guys um, and trying to keep them all in. Uh, and I try to take, I take pride. I don't like to toot my own horn, but I take pride in having all this uh, freshmen stay on the team, you know, because we have a high attrition rate with our, with our basketball uh, 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 plebes or whatever. So having all those guys stick around and uh, seeing those guys the other day on a Zoom call, um, definitely uh, it's all just about caring who, who, who's underneath you. And so, they care. I care for them, and they care for me. I know that they'll uh, reach out to me, and I can reach out to them anytime. Anytime I need to. My full thing is uh, reaching my full potential, and that was like my opportunity to reach my full potential uh, as a person, as a player, as a leader, as a person of academics and everything. Trying to get an ocean engineering degree, so just trying to take the full advantage of the time that you have on this earth is is my whole thing. Awesome. Well, Evan, I'll, I'll tell you what. We really appreciate the time, and and before we wrap, we'll uh, we'll have some fun with you. You, you spent okay. four years. Listening to uh, Class of '98's Mike Heary uh, call your games from the uh, press table there. So right. yeah, if you had to grade, what's better on on Mike Heary? Is it his jump shot, his hair, <laughs> or his wardrobe? Hundred percent his hair. I've I've <laughs> I have never seen I've never seen anything like it's just every time I see him, it's no different. I've seen him like every game. I've seen him out in town. Like nothing, the wind's blowing. It's always the same way. <laughs> no, I, I really miss. Uh, <laughs> well, we're we're definitely not cutting that part. Um, and and I agree. I mean, uh, I think Mike is the sixth uh, sixth ranked all time leading scorer in Navy basketball history, but certainly right. number one in hair. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Evan, thank you so much. And on behalf of the entire uh, Sing Second crew, we we congratulate you again on your commissioning. We wish you good luck as you navigate COVID, number one, and number two, as you uh, go through your TDY, uh, leading the plebes when they show up for I-Day, and then going down to start your career as an aviator. That's cool. Oh, I appreciate Thank that. Thank you for being an example uh, of what a Naval Academy student, what a Naval Academy athlete uh, is, and uh, good luck to you in the future.
Well, I thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate all of y'all. Thank you. I hope to see you soon, right. Evan. Yes, sir. Good to see you again. All right. Take care. Thanks, you Evan. Fly safe. Thank you. Many thanks to Evan Wick for joining us, uh, the lone senior on this past year's Naval Academy basketball team. When we come back, we will be joined by class of 2010's Mallory Dietrich. Mallory was a Naval Academy swimmer, commissioned a Marine, recently got out of the Marines and is back there as the Deputy Director of Protocol in Larson Hall. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. All right, welcome back to Sing Second Sports. We are coming up on our alumni segment, and we are happy to be joined by Mallory Dietrich. Mallory is a class of 2010 grad. Uh, was a member of the swimming uh, and diving team at the Naval Academy, was a fantastic swimmer, um, used uh, her time at the Academy to prepare her for a career in the Marine Corps. She eventually went out in the Marines, served, came back to her alma mater and served as a company officer, uh, and recently um, uh, completed her time in the Marines and is back at her alma mater as the deputy director of protocol. Uh, Mallory. Uh, how's everything going? And thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Everything was great. I love being back in Annapolis and just happy to be with you guys. Awesome. Well, hey, we try to highlight an alumnus uh, every week on this show. And, and the idea of the show is to really speak to uh, the legions of alumni out there about what's going on, uh, not only with the current sports programs, but uh, where are they now in terms of athletes of the past. Um, so if you can, uh, for, for those who don't know about how story your career is, I'll give you an opportunity to brag on yourself. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your uh, swimming career and uh, how it helped you, how it prepared you for your career as a Marine. Born and raised in Pittsburgh. You know that I love talking about my Pittsburgh sports and everything Pittsburgh. So uh, born and raised in Pittsburgh and I swam for a small all-girls Catholic school, um, Oakland Catholic uh, in Pittsburgh, my four years there. Um, after getting accepted into the Naval Academy, my sister Diana was an OA grad also on the swim team. So she paved the way for me there. Um, but then just being at the Naval Academy and swimming, it kind of, it was probably the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life was swimming for an academy, um, being able to represent your country, you know, in that facet, but also do the thing that you love the most. And for me, that was swimming swam, you know, the four years there. And, and to be quite honest, I, I don't remember much of, of the whole career there, but I remember every Army Navy swim meets and Patriot League championship. Everything else is kind of a blur, but those experiences as a student athlete, especially at the Naval Academy, prepared me for not only the Marine Corps, but life in general. Uh, it, it taught me how to balance my time. It taught me how to persevere. It taught me how to you know get comfortable doing the uncomfortable. It, it was a great team to be a part of. Nice. So I, I, probably a lot of people don't know, you actually competed in the U.S. Olympic trials. So I think you're, you're selling yourself a tiny bit short. So <laughs> your, your event was the 100 breaststroke. Was the breaststroke your, your best event? Uh, yeah. So I did the 100 and 200 breaststroke and 100 fly for the academy and all the swim meets. And um, I swam the 100 breaststroke uh, at trials. Um, and also I was there with my brother, Doug, who was a 13 grad. 
as well. So um, it was cool to experience that with him. But the cool thing with the butterfly and brushstroke events was at all the college events, the 100 uh, butterfly and the 200 brushstroke were always back to back between the 500 free was in between them. It was always a challenge. It was always preparation for what TBS would be like, I guess. Nice. So uh, before I kick it to Ward, um, you mentioned Army Meets. Now, I, I, I don't know the exact number of years. I think it's something like 400 years since Army has beaten Navy in swimming. Um, so what was, what was the lead up to the Army-Navy swim meets like for you? You know, I know when I was there as the PAO, we had rowdy gains you know, mm-hmm. calling the, uh, the meet on the, um, for the media. And, and it was just, it, the expectation was that Navy would win. Did you feel like the, the pressure at all as, as you were swimming during your career to not be the class, uh, to end that streak to army? Oh, absolutely. Um, they're gonna, they just hit 31, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this year would be 32, um, you know, knock on wood. But yeah, the first, the first Army Navy meet, especially having Diana there with me, it was, uh, Hey, doesn't matter anything up to this point, we're beating army no matter what. Um, and that first year I swam, I remember then Colonel Fuquay, now I believe General Fuquay, um, he was at the meet and at the end I pushed him in the pool. That's like the one thing I remember about that first Army Navy meet, but I just remember the excitement and the the liveliness and that we were up at army and it was, it just, un- the atmosphere was just amazing. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced um, besides trials. Um, but it was a, uh, Hey, it doesn't matter what's happened to this point. We're beating army. We're getting that end star. And that was probably the most important thing to me up until that point. I think that was the first time that I was like, wow, this is college swimming. It, you know, the other swimming just felt like normal swim meets, USS swimming, but that was the first meet. It was like, wow, this actually means something. There's so much history. There's so much rival. There's so much respect for the teams. It was, it was, that's when he was always the pinnacle of every year. Mallor, how, how are your shoulders holding up? Um, <laughs> I know the butterfly, um, you know, takes it out on your shoulders uh, in time. Yep. Uh, funny you should ask that. I just actually went to the VA for some appointments and both my shoulders are, I had one labrum surgery already, but both my labrums are torn. Um, and then the breaststroke pretty much broke my knees a little bit too, you know, a little too much, but, uh, so running is completely done for me now, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of wear and tear in swimming. No doubt. So I know you said that your midshipman experience is kind of a blur except for Patriot league champs and army Navy, mm-hmm. but if you were talking to a blue chip high school swimmer, um, and, uh, she was saying, well, I'm being recruited by, you know, some other swimming powerhouses and, Navy, what would you say to her uh, could be the tiebreaker for why she should select Navy? I think it's two things. It's, it's, there's, I think a lot of people will forget there's life after swimming and finding something that's bigger than yourself where you can do what you love for those four years with the be swimming and also find another passion. For me, it was the Marine Corps. Um, and then also, you know, I, I did the recruiting trips to Notre Dame, to Florida, to Louisville. I love the schools, great schools, fantastic programs. But at the end of the day, nothing rivaled my team connection, the camaraderie I had with the girls, with, you know, people outside the team as well. Because I know in a lot of other schools, your team is the only people that you know, because the school is just so big. 
But at the academy, you have your, you do have your family, you know, at the pool, but you also have your family in the hall. And that meant more to me than the four years I could do at a Notre Dame or a Louisville or something like that, where the experience, those friendships that you make are, I mean, you, you know, they're, they're for life. And yes, the four years there swimming was fantastic and I loved every minute of it, but I think it came to a realization that there is life after swimming. And, and I think I would let them know that is, you know, enjoy your four years, do what you can. You can still achieve your goals, especially the team now. It's incredibly fast. So you can achieve everything. You can have the, the swimming career you want, but you can also have a whole other life as well. And you can, you can make something special of your life. So what was your MOS in the Marine Corps? Logistics, 0402. Okay. And were you in East Coast or West Coast, Lejeune, Pendleton? Both. Uh, oh, okay. So I started out in Lejeune and then I ended my career in Pendleton. And now somewhere Pendleton. along the way there, Mel, you came back as a company officer. Um, I did. And so what was that like? You know, the ability to take all of those lessons, all the things you were just talking about, the, the goodness of the academy, the balance of academics and athletics, all the while getting the, the moral uh, training and education at the same time. What was it like for you to come back and give back to students? And what did you, what was your biggest challenge? And what was your uh, biggest success or what you enjoyed the most about it? It was probably the most beneficial aspect of my career. Um, I got to work with 40 amazing young women and you know, I would always, I think once a day, one of them would be up in my office up in Bancroft Hall chatting, you know, life experiences, you know, personal, professional, anything under the sun. And, and I love being that outlet for those girls because sometimes, um, not saying it's a bad thing, but there's a disparity between the midshipmen and some of the, the officers or senior enlists on the yard where that's age gap. Um, being able to be a little bit more relatable, I think was what I tried to bring to the table and having that open relationship with these midshipmen saying, Hey, you know, if, if something's wrong, come talk to me, you can talk to me. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't the most stellar student athlete, so I can understand that perspective and how hard academics could be, you know, how hard that balance could be between swimming and, and the pool, you know, balancing that throughout the entire week, fatigue, all that kind of stuff. Um, the biggest challenge I had was, you know, they're 18 to 23 year old females. There's a lot going on with them. So sometimes getting the message across to them may have not been the easiest um, and trying to make them see the big picture, but very smart young women. And, and they finally got it. It's just being there for them. I still talk to most of them now, you know, most of them are in the fleet and reach out here and there. So it's, it's building those types of lasting relationships as well was, was my biggest reward and seeing that I had you know, maybe a small impact, but an impact on someone else's life for the better. Well, I, I think company officers, arguably the most important job in the yard. I remember my three very, uh, very distinctly, both for good and bad reasons. So what are you doing now? And, and what do you hope to do in the future? So just got out of the Marine Corps back December 31st. Um, and now I found myself back on the yard, um, working uh, in the protocol office, uh, for the superintendent. And that's what I wanted to do. I went actually, I went back to school for my master's in, uh, hospitality and I wanted to get into the event planning and I wanted to get into that realm of, uh, work. So this was the ideal job for me. This was, I, I love being at the Academy. I love Annapolis. I love my alma mater. It took a, it took a few years to say that, but <laughs> I love being back. Um, I think five years was a good little buffer of, you know, that 
okay, now I'm away for a while, but now I love being back. Um, it, it seems like I can't escape this place. Um, and I see myself being at the academy for, you know, a long time, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Um, it's just where I love to be. So, and, and it still gives me the ability to have, you know, interaction with the midshipmen, have interaction with the military and still be able to, you know, make an impact where I can, you know, if, if the girls on the team, cause I still plan to be a part of this one team and interact with them. I just talked to, I just actually saw John Morrison yesterday. Um, and I hope to still have the relationship with the, with the team and be able to talk to the girls and still give them advice if they need it and, and kind of be a, another mentor for them. Um, because I think yeah. sometimes the girls need a, you know, more, some more female impact in their life. And it just gives them another option to talk to. Before I let you go, Mallory, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, another talent you have. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that is of baking desserts. So <laughs> I, I'll encourage our legions of listeners to check out Stars and Sweets on Instagram. Uh, Mallory um, is, is a person of many talents, and I'm very, very happy to call her a friend as well. Uh, but your uh, your baking business is fantastic. I can say, as someone who is uh, who has had some of the delicacies uh, <laughs> myself, um, how before I let you go, how how is that going, and is that something you continue or plan to continue to pursue? It's good. I actually just baked a cake uh, for one of my friends yesterday. She picked it up yesterday, but uh, I've already made two cakes since being back here in Annapolis in the two weeks I've been here. So. Um, Family and friends right now, it's word of mouth like we usually did, but uh, who knows what, what the future holds for that. But yeah, I love baking. It's it's a good relaxer, a good, you know, let me just kind of zone out for a while. But yeah, love baking. So if anybody, if anybody needs anything, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely get the word out. And uh, yeah, Mallory, you are uh, you're a fantastic Marine, fantastic baker, fantastic officer. Um, Thank you. And, and obviously uh, your record in the pool uh, stands on its own. Um, yeah, and, and obviously a very patriotic family, your, your sister, Diana, if I'm not mistaken, is still wearing the uniform as is, mm -hmm. uh, Doug. Uh, so they're, they're out there doing good work as you are back at your alma mater. And I know that the, uh, protocol office and Ann McConnell will be very, uh, lucky to have you. So thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. That was Mallory Dietrich. Uh, we will tweet out from the Sing Second, um, account. Uh, the information about uh, Stars and Sweets. When we come back from this break, we'll be joined by Navy women's lacrosse coach, Cindy Timchell. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at we sing second. That's at we sing second. Now back to the pod. All right, welcome back to Sing Second Sports. I am John Schofield. Uh, awesome segment there uh, with Mallory Dietrich, a uh, fantastic swimmer, fantastic Marine, and personally a good friend of mine. Uh, I am very happy to introduce uh, Hall of Fame head coach Cindy Timchell. She was the first women's lacrosse coach at the U.S. Naval Academy announced to that position in August of 2006. And since then, all you have to do is look at the seasons that have transpired since 2006 and the impact uh, Coach Timschel has had on the Naval Academy uh, before that building an utter powerhouse at the University of Maryland, selfishly as the son of 
a University of Maryland lacrosse player. Um, I, I am very proud of, of Coach Timschel's accomplishments there. But more importantly, she has built from scratch a fantastic lacrosse program at the Naval Academy. And we are honored for you to join us. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day here in Annapolis. It's beautiful, a little sun, little clouds, but uh, couldn't be happier, particularly since uh, our Navy women's lacrosse seniors got the opportunity to um, do their, their ceremony today. And so, you know, it's quite an accomplishment. We're just kind of on a Zoom call with them and how, you know, it's almost like a blur when they came in as freshmen, plebe summer and have many pictures of them. And so, yeah, you know, it's a very, ironically, I'm happy we're on today. The fact that my, our seniors that have led such an amazing um, ride for us and you know, for Navy women's across that they, um, are finally going to be on their way to do amazing things for the Navy uh, to serve their country. Before I kick it over to Bill Wagner, I'll just ask you, Coach, um, obviously the last couple of months have been surreal um, and, and obviously very serious. Uh, on a personal level, how, how are you and your family and your coaching staff doing uh, navigating through the pandemic um, you know, and and kind of making do with this unique circumstance. Yeah, it is. It, it's obviously unprecedented and in some ways crazy, but you know, we're, we're very resilient as coaches. You know, that's one of the key things, uh, um, you know, kind of a motto is expect nothing or, you know, don't, don't be ready for anything. Basically don't expect things, but just be ready. And I think, that's been our motto in coaching, and yeah, an incredibly disappointing uh, kind of abrupt abruptness to the 2020 season. You know, when you spend four years as your seniors have in August preparing the 2020. So yeah, uh, but going back to your question, our staff is doing great. We're doing amazing things with our team, with our recruits, our outreach program, things that we can do. Um, and, you know, Maryland has been a hotbed and our governor has done an amazing job to get us, you know, in a path, in a direction that we feel um, is the right direction to move forward and to get finally what we're just looking forward to is that time, that moment when we get back out on the field with our athletes. Well, I'll jump in here and say when the Naval Academy announced it was going to add women's across as a varsity sport, I was so excited being a guy that covers the Naval Academy and loves athletics in general and lacrosse in particular, it just seemed like a no-brainer for Navy to have women's lacrosse. And then when the word came that Chet Gladshock, the athletic director, had hired Cindy Timshaw, I was just blown away. I thought, my goodness, Chet has pulled off the coup of the century. He has lured the greatest coach in women's lacrosse history away from Maryland, a perennial powerhouse, to start a brand new program, but it's typical of Cindy because she loves challenges. And I can tell you, it's been remarkable to watch it grow from its infancy. Did not take long for Navy women's lacrosse to immediately become a contender, both in the Patriot League and nationally. And we've seen what's happened. Final four, my God, amazing. And watching Cindy Timshaw coach, it's no surprise why she's such a success. She's so energetic. She connects with her players. Uh, she lets her staff coach. Um, Cindy, I'm just congratulating you on what you've built. And I guess you feel like the sky's the limit for Navy women's lacrosse. And we're not 
anywhere near what this program can achieve, correct? Absolutely, Bill. And, f- and first of all, really a personal thank you for those wonderful accolades. And yeah, I, I think the way you said it, I mean, Chet Gladchuk is, is the person that made this happen. You know, his decision making to put women's lacrosse on the map at, you know, the very first service academy um, was his vision. And yeah, um, couldn't be happier here with this beautiful campus we always talk about right on the Severin, the spa leading out to the Chesapeake, the capital of of the state of Maryland. And um, I mean, when you talk about the sky's the limit bill, that's exactly how I feel all the time is that these young athletes want to come, they want to compete hard, they want to be out at Navy Marine Corps Stadium and really putting it on the line. You know, they put on that Navy uniform and yeah, there's always, you know, self-doubt or am I good enough? But when you step out on the field, you just go after it. And that's really been something we've we've sold on. We're in an amazing area since you love to cover and love lacrosse and love to cover lacrosse. You know, this is a place where athletes, young athletes, youth programs, high school, club programs, they learn the game from everybody. It's it's an obsession. It is the team sport of the state of Maryland, and I couldn't be happier. And as you said, our goals are to continue to strive to winning championships, winning more games, allowing people to be proud of what we're doing every day, which is working hard in practice and um, trying to show it on the field. You amaze me with your energy and your passion. And how do you do it, Cindy? I mean, you've been coaching a long time and you could be curmudgeonly. We've met some of those older coaches that have been around a long time and they get, but you are are like a brand new coach who just started in the business. How do you do that? How do you maintain that youthful enthusiasm? It's like you've got the fountain of youth at your house. (laughs) Well, yeah. I wish I could have like a screen over my face with my hair and the salons being closed. But um, yeah, um, it's like anybody, once you get associated with the game of lacrosse and the athletes that are involved and the families and the extension of all that, it's, it's so easy to have the kind of energy that's required to go out there. And certainly I credit, you know, my amazing staff, you know, younger than me and bring out that good chi and energy. Um, And of course, you know, as much as coaches, we all want to take credit for maybe the things that we're doing behind the scenes. Once they step out on the field, these young athletes, you know, they're the ones that, you know, really kind of get, get the job done. You know, they're the ones that have to compete through an entire in, in a, a situation, a game and, and get through that. And, you know, the season, you know, it's not being good, just, you know, one game or part of a game. It's, it's trying to put it out there every time that you're stepping out on the field. So I feel that energy from the athletes that come through our program and we've been fortunate to have great ones. We have great commits coming in this year. And I know you we were talking a little bit how that's going to look like with the plebe summer and, we just cannot wait to get back out there. And Bill, seriously, with you covering our sport and people really taking notice of what we've done, it's 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 easy to have the kind of energy and chi, you know, to get out there every day and practice hard and expect good things to happen. Coach, your enthusiasm is infectious. Um, we talked to, as John said, Kelly Larkin last episode uh, about how this semester unfolded. 
both on and off the field. Um, so how, how did you realize or when did it hit you that, that the season was going away and what were your emotions around that time frame? You've been very upbeat about how you're doing now emotionally and, yeah. and what the future portends, but this was unprecedented circumstance. What, what, what were you thinking at the time? Was it disbelief? Was it sorrow? Uh, what, what was that all about? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, you know, where it, it's, we cannot wait to see any, you know, any kind of sporting event because it has that attachment. It has it watching sport and being a part of sport and coaching and watching and being a spectator or being on the behind the scenes. It's like a microcosm of life. And as you said, this unfolded right in front of our eyes. And we were at, a, you know, this all happened when the entire student body was on spring break. And we had just gotten back from Florida and we were just to begin our, our conference um, games. And, and this, you know, we're in a conference. We, we were, we're in it to win it, you know, and um, preparing for all that. And we're at Navy Marine Corps Stadium as, as a practice time. And, you know, it, the night before, I think it's when the NBA made a decision on a, on a Wednesday night that they were going to um, stop operations. And I think we all felt, okay, you know, this is something it's indoor sport. And then it just, it happened so rapidly that it was almost, it was, it was, I guess, almost like a tidal wave coming through. And you're like, is this really happening? And then it was like, okay, now the Patriot League, now the Big E, or, you know, whatever conferences, the AAC, the, you know, ACC and the Big Ten. And it just all happened on Thursday. And we happened to be practicing Thursday morning at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. So literally by the time that practice was over, we knew that, you know, it was really serious. It was. I mean, and to detect, I never seen, you know, in the eyes, we always talk about the eyes being the windows of the soul. You know, our athletes just sat there and, and really in dif- disbelief. We all felt we were going to come back like, hey, I'll see you in a few weeks. You know, this is something we're going to go through. We never know what's going to look like on the other side. So in any kind of tragic situation, this pandemic, you're always looking for hope. You're always looking for the better side of things. But in the end, um, as much as we love lacrosse, want to compete and want to be out there and our athletes and the sorrow they had in their eyes and, and all that had been ultimately lost. Um, we knew, we knew this was all about something far greater than ourselves. This is, this is something that, um, obviously is historic and, um, you know, it, it, it seemed short-sighted then to feel that because now we know how you know, lives are being lost and, and you know, we, we just have a, you know, we're trying to find our way out of this. So in retrospect, it was really, really tough for everyone. And now we're in a situation where we want to move forward. We want to do good things. And gosh, I'll tell you, when our team gets back on the field, that's all we can think about is, boy, are we going to take advantage of every second of every moment that we'll have, you know, getting back to where we want to be, not only for, for us as student athletes, for the Naval Academy and for the women's lacrosse program, but for the United States and the world. Coach, uh, I can tell you, we, we are all very honored to have you on. And, and we know you speak the truth when you talk about how from the company officer level to the coach level to um, the leadership in the hall that the Naval Academy is out there to take care of the, the women and the men who attend uh, that amazing institution. And, and I'll tell you, the Naval Academy is a better place for having you there 
Uh, Coach Timschel, a member of eight different Halls of Fame, uh, inducted into the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 2017, uh, University of Maryland Hall of Fame in 2012, um, in, in addition to many, many um, other Halls of Fame, particularly in the Philadelphia area. So, uh, Coach, uh, really, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking care of the athletes uh, in your charge. And uh, we look forward for we look forward to the season yeah. you know, being normal next spring. Yeah, we can hang out face to face. Yeah, thank you so much, John, Chris, Bill, Ward. I appreciate you inviting me. And um, yeah, you all be safe. Thanks, take care. Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it. You too, Coach. All right, uh, Sing Second Sports is going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Many thanks to Coach Timschel for uh, joining us. Uh, really impressive interview. Awesome to get a world-class coach uh, like Coach Timschel on this show. Uh, so before we go out, um, really happy with the uh, with the interviews today. I thought Evan, Mallory Dietrich, and and Coach were great. Obviously, all three of them have unique experiences now. Uh, you know, going through COVID. Uh, but yeah, I day is, is kind of the next thing. And then beyond that, whether any airplane goes to, uh, Ireland, what's your gut telling you, uh, Wags, you still think that, that Ireland is, is a, uh, is an event that can't be canceled. I have said all along that I think Ireland is very, uh, unlikely August 29th out of the country. Those are a couple key elements too early and out of the country. Um, I think. My best guess, and this is, I have no expertise. I'm just looking at the landscape as I see it. My best guess is that college football season does not begin till October earliest, possibly as late as November. Um, if it somehow did begin August 29th, I don't think it would begin in Ireland. So that's just my guess. I, I have no inside knowledge. It's just a gut feeling. I'm interested to see how the future of Naval Academy operations is affected. You were saying yourself, Ward, that, you know, football season certainly, you know, has to be viewed as in the balance based on, you know, what, what the other states and organizations are doing in order to open up. Um, it's hard to even guess. I think what we saw here, particularly with Evan Wick's sentiments, is a good example, as you have said a couple of times, John, that, you know, this ecosystem, the Naval Academy midshipmen, have this ability to persevere in challenging times. So the kick save that was made for commissioning week, Evan's sentiments is the first time we've heard directly from a graduate of how that struck them. And it looks like he's entirely upbeat and not bummed out at all for how that played out. So good on the soup and the dunt for making that happen. And uh, this is probably what we're going to see through plebe summer. It's going to be kind of weird. Assuming they start on June 25th, it will be two weeks of isolation. As Evan mentioned, as a guy who's going to be TAD as a fresh caught ensign, part of the plebe summer, his TAD starts with two weeks of isolation. Um, and so, but we kind of are moving forward with the idea that there will be a plebe summer. And so this is probably an analog for how we will approach fall sports. And so we'll be here to report. And I'm sanguine about our ability to carry on in this environment now as a function of what Evan Wick, his attitude. 
Yeah, and uh, hopefully as we go forward and, and you know, our, our task is to continue to try to find as many uh, current mids and, and recent graduates as we can that continue to give us that context and that perspective, uh, what their re the rest of their spring semester was like, what their commissioning was like, and, and what they're looking at in terms of the short-term and medium-term impacts on their careers as they go out either to their flight schools or their ships or to TVS in Quantico. We'll, we'll see how it gets affected. But um, obviously sports has been affected uh, in a large measure. But, you know, as Mallory Dietrich was saying, it's, it's what you learn in the pool. It's what you learn on the, on the fields of friendly strife that, that really give you the tools you need to be successful out in the fleet and Marine Corps. So uh, many thanks to Evan for his perspective, uh, Mallory for her perspective as an alumnus and, and Coach Timschel um, for what she was seeing as well and, and the impact on their season. So uh, again, another successful uh, pod. Uh, very thankful to uh, Ward, uh, Chris Cervello, and uh, Bill Wagner for uh, joining us this week. Uh, and we will see you next week on Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. 